When I think of you as I lie in my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. When you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them, because your Father knows what you need before you ask. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm the one standing in the middle with the gray jacket on, and I am the lead pastor here at Zao MKE Church. We are in a series called Rebuilding Faith After Deconstruction, where we are examining our faith with a critical lens and a community of support, trying to understand how the things that we have had to dismantle, the messages that we got growing up, the things that we have discovered to be toxic, can be taken apart, can be deconstructed, and how we can actually rebuild something stronger, holier, more connected out of that. We don't need to be sitting alone in the rubble, faithless. We can actually faithfully build something new, a stronger relationship to God, a stronger connection to community, a faith that has room for doubts and questions, a faith that doesn't hurt but heals. And so today we are taking on a topic that comes up a lot that I get asked about a lot, which is prayer. Prayer. Essentially, what is prayer? Does it work? And do I have to? <laughs> How many people here have like a positive relationship with prayer? Like, I feel really good about this. Show of hands. All right, we got some people. How many people have like a neutral relationship? Like, mm, I don't, you know, prayer. Couple people. How many people are like, ugh, it gives me icky feelings? All right, we've got some of those folks too. All of you are welcome in this conversation, and I recognize that those are really valid experiences to have with prayer, to love it, to be kind of meh about it, or to be like, hey, I've got some stuff here to work through, some harm that this conversation and these practices have caused me in my faith and my life. Now, when we're talking about prayer, we have to establish our terms, and I think that's one of the things that we never really did, uh, that, that so many people talk about prayer as though we are supposed to know what it is. And, and so we take for granted the definition of prayer. So I did a little bit of Googling, as I often do when I'm sort of like, well, what are the main messages that we receive from these like really prominent Christian-identified sources on these topics? And one of the things that I found really fascinating was this, this is what um, Billy Graham's website has to say about prayer. Billy Graham says, prayer is, a, is spiritual communication between man and God, right? We're already getting that fun misogyny. <laughs> between man and God, a two-way relationship in which man should not only talk to God, but also listen to him. Prayer to God is like a child's conversation with his father. It is natural for a child to ask his father for the things he needs. All right, so thanks, Billy.org. 
Um, we're going we're gonna to keep Googling. We're going to see what else is out there. So one of the next items that came up in the Google search was the, the Anglican Church, the, the London Archdiocese of the Anglican Church. And they offer this definition of prayer. Prayer is giving our attention to God in a two-way spiritual relationship where we talk to God and also listen to him. Prayer is like a child's conversation with his father. It is natural for a child to ask his father for the things they need. Okay, <laughs> hang on a second. <laughs> we got some plagiarism here. And what I think is really weird about this is like, I don't know that, that like the Billy Graham folks and the London Anglicans think of themselves as besties. <laughs> And so it's like, okay, so, so, uh, so these really prominent folks are like stealing from each other these definitions, which means to me a couple of things. One, it's an extremely taken for granted concept. And so people are not able to just kind of like roll off the tongue like this is what prayer is. And two, we don't actually want to look deeper at it. Because if folks were really taking this seriously and wanting to look deeper, wanting to have a mature um, and, and complex relationship with prayer, they would not be copy-pasting, right? So we take for granted what prayer is. And a lot of what comes up is prayer is talking to God. Now, some people will emphasize that second part in this plagiarized paragraph, which is about listening, but there's not a whole lot of instruction on how that works. Some people will get explicit and be like, well, God used to talk to people, but God doesn't talk out loud to people anymore because we're faithless, right? And that has its own toxic problems. So we're supposed to listen, even though God's been giving us the silent treatment for a couple thousand years. And then we're supposed to ask for what we need. Now, some of these folks will directly contrast this with meditation. Meditation, not prayer. I don't know how you listen while you're still talking continuously, but meditation isn't it, according to what we've been told. And one, one uh, framework even said, we should keep a running conversation going with God all day long. Now, I don't know about you. It might be because I have ADHD. But that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, like, I talk a lot, and I would like there to be some not talking time. <laughs> and that seems like a perfectly reasonable request. So, so if, we, if we're trying to understand this, now, if we weren't given adequate definitions, if we weren't really allowed to ask, like, what is prayer? If that's a taboo question, because we're supposed to just know. It's talking to God, obviously. It's asking for what you need, obviously. We, a lot of people do want to ask how to pray. Right? And there have been given a lot of models. Has anybody, anyone want to shout out the models of like how you've been taught to pray? Glad they stuck. Okay, so how about ACTS? Anybody know ACTS? All right, it's an acronym, ACTS. It stands for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, which are all words we use on a daily basis, so I don't need to explain them. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Basically, it's like, you know, our, our relationship to God, offering ourselves and our, our love for God, confessing our shortcomings, expressing gratitude. And then supplication is usually the, the petitionary part where it's like, tell God what you need, ask for what you need. And, 
And there are a lot of like, you know, analogies around a child talking to a parent. And as a parent of a toddler, like, this makes some amount of sense to me. So my daughter is almost 15 months old. She mostly screeches and points. I don't get a whole lot of like supplication. Um, but each of these ideas like have their expressions in our relationship. So adoration, you know, is, is this kind of like, Baba, I love you. You know, this is the big hug I get um, when I walk into the room or, um, you know, the snuggles randomly throughout the day, the delight that she expresses it being in relationship with me. And it's really lovely. It really is. And then, you know, we don't have a whole lot of confession, but we do know the word, uh-oh. So there's like, uh-oh, <laughs> I did it again. Um, we're, we're working on thank you, thank you, but um, mostly it's just like cheesing. We get like big goofy grins that are expressions of gratitude and delight. And, uh, and we, we are getting petitions, right? There's a lot of like, more milk, please. So... So there is this kind of, I understand that each of these pieces has a part in our relationship with God. But, but as we mature, it seems like we take this same formula and we limit ourselves to it and we try and mature it by just getting more elaborate. But the way that that would work in my relationship with Micah is if, you know, 10 years from now, whatever, when she has more language, this conversation turns into like, Baba, you are so amazing. I look out at the room around me and I see the works of your labor. And I marvel at the way you put on your own shoes by yourself and you can reach the tallest cabinets. You know, confession, I make a lot of mistakes. I do, I really, I need to do better. I picked up my glass of milk today, I turned it upside down, and there's milk everywhere. I, I know, I know I'm not supposed to do that, but I couldn't stop myself, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me, Baba Parent, please forgive me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me covered in milk. Thank you, Baba Parent, thank you so much for birthing me and for keeping a roof over my head and promising to never throw me out in the cold like the pagans. May I please have some more milk? <laughs> right, like this is not actually how we want to mature our conversations with God. Which again, doesn't mean that there's not room for I love you and can I please have this and I'm so sorry I screwed up. But when we take that formula and try and apply it to a relationship and we make it more and more formal and elaborate and we say, oh, the beginning of any conversation has to be my adoration for you. And it's not about greeting someone you love. It's about listing the ways that they're better than you, right? Like, we can get this really twisted. And if Acts is a helpful formulation for you, please use it. It's, it's great. Nothing in there is bad. But when we limit prayer to this formula, we get into this very strange dynamic with with the God who is with us at all times. Like we have this extremely formal conversation with someone who's like, hey, I'm just in the kitchen making your eggs, you know? And so we want, we want to go deeper. We've got to go deeper. One of the texts we're looking at today is from Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is instructing his people. He says, when you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words, right? And that, that's, it's, it, this is not a jab, this is advice, this is an invitation. But, but if, that, 
if that little monologue that I was giving you from Micah's perspective, if that feels like a flood of empty words, Jesus is recognizing that and not saying like your prayers are worthless, but saying like, hey, you don't actually have to do that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to flood me with empty words. You think that by saying all of that, that's going to be what gets you heard. But what gets you heard is my love for you. What gets you heard is our relationship. Because Jesus goes on and says, your father knows what you need before you ask. God knows what you need before you ask. So then a lot of us are like, all right, God, so why are you going to make me ask? right? We really want the people in our lives, but especially the God in our life, to be mind readers and to just do the things. But there is something else there, a question that we tend not to ask or not to have room for asking, which is why are we instructed to pray, instructed to ask for our needs to be met if God already knows what they are? And, and Jesus himself is saying, don't just like flood the room with empty words. Like that's not what's going to get you God's attention. You don't have to do this. You don't have to put on this performance. So what is prayer? What are we trying to do here? What are we trying to do here? We have the example of Jesus going off to pray. And again, if, if the point of prayer is to just like say all the right words and then get what you want, like what is Jesus doing? Jesus is God, so is Jesus just like talking to himself, asking himself to do things? Like there's got to be something deeper if Jesus is consistently throughout the scriptures demonstrating what it means to take space, to pray. But we treat it like not only something that we need to do to be good and righteous and pious people, but also like this magical formula that's, that's going to get us what we want, right? And maybe we don't treat it this way, maybe you haven't treated it this way in a long time, but you may have encountered people in your life who just tell you to pray more, to pray harder, to get what you need. Whether that's something simple, like, God, I'm really late, I need that parking space, or something extremely complex, like, God, heal this, this disease or this condition that is complicated and lifelong, right? And we are told to simply pray about it, A, as though we know what that means, B, as though it will solve it like a cheat code. So it's like, <laughs> okay, great. Um, dear God in heaven, more milk, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. Amen. <laughs> it's a Nintendo reference for anyone who's under 30. <laughs> but this is actually really toxic, right? Because why doesn't everyone get what they ask for? Did they put in the cheat code wrong? Are they not faithful enough? Or even worse, why do some people get what they ask for and not others? And so a lot of us end up really confused about prayer. We wonder if it's all garbage. We wonder if it's something that we can just sort of stop thinking about and look away from. Some of us think all of those things and then still find ourselves praying a lot anyway. You've got the Sam Smith song that the band sang, saying everyone prays in the end. I don't know if I believe in you, but I'm, I've got to ask. And there is this kind of internal impulse to cry out. And that, I think, is one of the most fundamental pieces of evidence of our relationship to God as a parent. That we might be mad, we might not be on speaking terms, we might think it's worthless, but when we are really, really hurting, 
a lot of us still have this urge to cry out, to cry out to our parent. So what is the nature of prayer? Let us construct something. Let us reconstruct something holy. I think, as always, we can start with Jesus. If we understand Jesus to be a person dedicated to prayer, Jesus whose ministry involved him leaving frequently to spend time alone in prayer, then we understand that it's not a cheat code, it's not a magical formula, it's not Jesus trying to get what he wants. It's got to be something more, something deeper. It has something to do with relationship. You see, one of the things we believe about God is that God is fundamentally in relationship with God's self. Three in one, the Trinity. Holiness born out of connectedness. That Jesus is God and also so is God the creator. So is the Holy Spirit. And so yes, Jesus is going to spend time with himself. (laughs) Going to spend time with the Godhead, with three in one in connection, in community. And prayer is about attending to that relationship. Prayer is about coming alive to the presence of God in our lives and deepening our connection. So going back to my relationship with my toddler, how do I spend time with her? Now even now, as she is very little and not able to do much on her own, Still, most of our interactions are not her asking for things. She does a lot of pointing and grunting. I will give her that. But, and I do a lot of providing. I do a lot of providing for her. But most of what I provide to her is attention. Now, we're working on this because right now there's a lot of screeching and yelling. I'm trying to work with her to say, hey, hey, kiddo, when you need my attention, just say, Baba, you don't have to yell, you don't have to screech, you don't have to throw things on the floor. You can just say, Baba, and then you have my attention. And what I'm trying to do is help her learn how to connect with me, how to call out to me, how to remind me that she needs my attention in a particular way in that moment. Now, do I know that she needs my attention generally? Of course. But does it give her agency in our relationship to choose when and how and where to call out? Yeah. That deepens our connection. She gets to participate. And again, what she needs sometimes is more milk and sometimes is help down from a chair and sometimes it's to put her shoes on. But a lot of what she needs in general is my attention, my connection, my presence. It is a human need that we all have and we have taught to be utterly ashamed about. How often do we talk about people, especially children, but all people, as attention-seeking or just trying to get attention? As though that is not a fundamental human need for connection, for presence, for relationship. We all need and desire attention. That's part of how we are built. Like God, we are built to be in relationship. And so when we need attention, we need healthy and productive ways to reach out, to name that need, to call out to one another. Our instructions to pray are a reminder that we can always ask God for attention, and we will always get it. Micah will not always be able to get my attention, but I hope she learns that she will always get God's 
that God is always with her and that the minute she cries out, God, in the same way, says, hey, hi, Micah, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. And in the same way, we all crave attention. We've been taught to disconnect ourselves from it, to not need it, to not be so attention-seeking. Well, you know what? You need attention. You need love and connection. And we are built to seek that from one another as well. But there is a kind of attention that you long for that is about the divine, that is about saying at any moment, I need to be able to reach out to my God, to say, God, and to, he to, to hear, to feel, to understand that turning towards, that expression of love and presence from God who says, I'm right here. I'm right here, baby. I'm right here. I'm with you. You're not alone. That is the heart of prayer. Presence, connection, the attention of the divine. Now, it's not God's attention that drifts, right? It's ours. We see this even in the structure of the Hebrew scriptures. The people are the people who forget. God is the God who remembers. And so prayer is really also a practice of inviting ourselves to remember that God is with us, to bring our attention back to the God who is always ready, who is always there. I like to think of this like in life you're, you're in a car and you're driving, or maybe you're not driving. The driving part doesn't matter, but you're in a confined space. And your eyes are on the road, your eyes are on the path, on the plot, and whatever's going on in your life. But in the passenger seat right next to you is God, always. God is your ride or die. God is always there with you. And prayer is any practice that allows you to glance over to the passenger seat or to put a hand out to the, to the God who is next to you or to listen for the presence of the breath of God in your little car. Prayer is about connection and attending to one another. It's about engaging the God who is there with you to ask for God's attention and give them yours. And it's about noticing, noticing God's presence. And if you want to talk, great, talk. Talking helps us be known by God, by other people, and, and for some of us, by ourselves. Sometimes, you know, like just talking it out really helps ground and focus you. Talking is about, you know, offering yourself. But listening helps you know a person. And talking allows us to feel loved, right? To feel known. And so when we share with God who is there with us and always always listening, like always ready to listen, never tires of hearing your beautiful voice. That is prayer. Prayer is an open invitation to know that God wants to hear from you, whatever it is you want to say. And yeah, she's already heard the story. Tell her again. Tell her what you're feeling about it. Tell him what your needs are out of it. Tell him how it made you feel. So that offering of our words, our talking, is always received with joy and pleasure. And we can listen as well when we want to get to know God. But maybe we don't feel like talking. <laughs> maybe on this road trip, we want to listen to some music. 
So it is perfectly legitimate to spend time with people, to spend time with God by cranking the music and singing your faces off. Sometimes you want to take in the scenery. Sometimes you want to take a nap and let God drive. Totally cool. Prayer is about engaging the God who is with you in whatever way. And you don't have to subscribe to any particular formula to do it right. And so I want to give you some scriptural basis for a few different ways to pray. Now, first off, I think that one corner of the internet is wrong. Meditation is absolutely prayer. And I think that the Psalms are evidence for that. The Psalm that we read from today, Psalm 63, says, when I, lie, I, when I think of you as I lie in my bed, which is also like a much more intimate picture than this kind of like, I kneel before you, I bow before you, Thank you, God. You're great, right? Like, when it's like, I, like, late at night, one of our community members, Rocky, often talks about how, like, he has a friends with benefits relationship with God, that he's like, I don't know about this. I'm not, like, ready to commit, but I will hit you up in the middle of the night sometimes just to be like, hey, God, you up? You know? So, like, that's, I mean, this, <laughs> there is scriptural precedent for this in Psalm 63. <laughs> When I think of you as I lie on my bed, I meditate on you during the night watches. I meditate. I meditate on you because you are my helper. I will rejoice in the shadow of your wings. I follow close to you. Your right hand holds on to me. That is a description of calm, quiet, intense intimacy. I meditate on you. And if we understand God to be love, then meditating on love, meditating on holiness, meditating on breath, all of these things are prayer. All of these things are prayer. So you can meditate. And maybe that's about listening. Maybe it's about mindfulness. Maybe it's about allowing the body that God gave you to give you some sensory feedback. To say, I am here. I am here in this moment. I am alive. I am breathing. I am present. I am not alone. God is with me. God is love. Another way to pray is to seek solitude. This is one thing that we see Jesus doing a lot. In Mark chapter 1, it says, Early in the morning, well before sunrise, Jesus rose and went to a deserted place where he could be alone in prayer. It goes on to be like, and then the dudes like tried to track him down. They were like, everybody was like, where are you? Like, Jesus is just like disappearing. For some of us, solitude is both terrifying and wholly necessary. (laughs) And I think for a lot of us, we are built in these ways where we either draw in towards solitude or fear it. But either way, to be able to sit, to be able to be in stillness, in quiet, in solitude, it's one of the ways to strip away distractions. This is a way to like spend some one-on-one time with God. To say, hey, like let's be together just the two of us. How many relationships can you sustain if you don't ever spend time with them one-on-one? Just being together. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to have a project. You don't need to have like a speech in your back pocket. You can just hang out. You can just spend time together. Which brings me to my, my third suggestion of framework, which is accompaniment or quality time. Right, so Mark... The, Jesus in the Gospel of Mark also instructs us, I'm sorry, this is in Matthew, um, instructs us to pray in private, 
right? So it's, what this is about is saying, like, this is not supposed to be showy. And this doesn't mean we can't pray together in church or in small group or whatever, but it's saying, like, this is not a performance. You don't have to, like, perform your relationship with God. In fact, it might be easier. It might take away some stress to just, like, do it without any observers. Just, like, hang out. Invite God to be with you. Bring your attention to your ride or die. Like, remember the God who is with you as you're just going about your day, as you're just going about your life. Be together. And this is where we get that third passage that we talked about today from 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Or as it is often translated, pray without ceasing. Now, to pray without ceasing, if we're following an Acts model, sounds very difficult and very overwhelming and very like, man, I'm just going to have to bust out my thesaurus at some point because I don't know how many different ways to say marvel, right? (laughs) If we put that kind of pressure on it, like we can't, we can't pray continuously. So prayer must mean something else. But what can we do continuously? What can we do? We can be alive. We can be present. We can be connected. And yes, that is still an ideal, because I don't know about you guys, but I find it extremely hard to stay continuously present, continuously open and connected, right? I'm a human being that needs to shut down and heal and do all this stuff. But when we can remain present to God, that alone is prayer. That is holy. You're doing it. You're doing it right. And there are other ways The scriptures tell us in Romans that nature itself reveals who God is to people, right? That God's invisible qualities have been clearly seen because they are understood through creation, which I believe is why so many of us find it easiest to connect with God in nature. We go to see the things that God has made, and maybe that's Lake Michigan, that's one of my favorites. Maybe it's a mountaintop, maybe it's a stream or a trail. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a flower. Maybe it's your pet. But understanding through God's created things who God is, spending time with God in God's creation in nature is a beautiful way to pray. One of the classic ways that the scriptures demonstrate prayer is through sacrifice or an offering. But one of the things that we get mixed up about this is that we think that it's about saying, hey, here's this thing, I don't want it anymore, I give it up to you, the end, and and I, I sacrifice in this kind of way that takes away. In fact, the scriptures actually are demonstrating what it means to have a big community barbecue, to share a meal, to say, hey, we're actually gonna offer this up in Thanksgiving and feast together. And so when we pray before a meal, We can do that in a way that's rote and like we're just doing what we were taught to do. Or we can do that in a way that reminds us of the other guest at our meal. That offers a space to just connect to our gratitude and invite God into that meal with us. To say like, hey, let's eat together. Again, like one of the fundamental ways that we relate to each other as human beings is to share a meal. Let's go out to dinner. Let's grab coffee. That's a way to pray to be with God. The other things that we can do to ground us are various rituals, and they are going to mean different things to different people. So some people remember in their bodies in different ways. 
You may have seen me pray. I often pray with my hands outstretched. Some people pray with their hands clasped. Some people like to pray lying face down on the floor. I'm about it. Some people remember their breath and the presence of the divine when they are in yoga class. And that is a perfectly beautiful ritual, a way of moving your body into position to be alive to your relationship with God. Some people remember through a ritual of walking, of moving their body instead of trying to be still. Some people remember God and are alive to God through lighting a candle, through seeing the flame flicker and being with God in that way. And some people, many people in this community, so if you're one of them, know that you are not alone, connect to God and to presence and to intention through things like tarot. They are cards, they are images, they are stories that are touch points. And so people will look at those cards and talk to God and listen to God and wonder what is alive in their life in that moment and have a practice of opening up. There's no wrong way to pray when you are opening your presence to the divine who is in and with and around you. And the last way that I want to encourage you to consider praying today is through petition, is through asking God for what you need. Because the scriptures actually are quite clear on this. In Matthew chapter 7, it says, Ask and you will receive, search and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, whoever seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door is opened. Now this can be confusing on a lot of levels, right? Because literally a chapter before in this same book, Jesus was like, your father already knows what you need before you ask. And then it's like, so ask, and ask some more, and ask some more, and I'm going to give you more metaphors about asking. And it's also confusing because it's like, okay, but I did ask and I did not receive. I did knock and that door feels slammed in my face. And that's one of those things that because the, the, the monitor in the back is telling me that I've already exceeded time, we're not actually going to be able to get super into today. And I know that's really disappointing. That like getting into like, why don't we get exactly what we ask for? Why isn't this working as a cheat code? Why would you tell me to ask and then not give it to me? This is part of the nature of our relationship with God, that we are instructed to ask even though we don't always get what we receive. We are instructed to ask with confidence even though we don't always get what we receive. Jesus goes on in that passage to say, like, if you're, like, what parent, what human parent, if their kid asks for food, gives them a scorpion? Your parent in heaven knows what you need and wants to give you good things. So there is a promise of receiving. There is a promise of God's provision for you. And you can listen to a thousand sermons about how what you get is what you need and what you ask for is going to be fulfilled in some kind of way. And I don't need to make that case for you here. But what I do want you to know is even if we don't understand how, why, when those prayers are answered, we are instructed to ask. And even if we want to broaden prayer to say prayers about spending time with God, we are instructed to include in that relationship, some here, somewhere, somehow, maybe not all the time, but with some consistency, we are instructed to ask for what we need. And I want to just take our last minutes together to pause and recognize how radical that is. How radical it is in our culture 
to be instructed, to self-examine, to understand what it is that we desire and we need, and to name that to someone who will always receive it with love. Always receive it with love. Asking for what we need is something that we have been instructed not to do over and over again. How many of you have had tension even in relationships where you realize, like, I don't actually know what I need because I have been so disconnected from it. I've been so trained against examining what my needs are. I don't know how to ask for what I need. I don't know how to ask for what I want. I sometimes don't even know how to figure out what those things are. And yet, the God of the universe says, I, I want to hold space for that in our relationship. If it can't exist anywhere else, Know that you can always ask me. Know that your needs will never be scoffed at or ignored. That you always have space in our relationship to tell me what you want. And that may not mean that you get it or whatever, but it means that I hear you and that your statement of what you need, of what you want, what you desire, it matters. It matters. And your ability to ask is holy. And it may not come easily, and that's why I'm telling you to practice. And instead of it coming out sideways, instead of screeching and pointing, say my name. Ask me, and I will be with you in that longing. I will be with you in that need. I will be with you as you learn to connect to what it is that you need and desire, which is not something that should be ignored or set aside, but something that deserves space. In our relationship, I am able to sit with it, with your longing, your desire, your need. I can hold that with you. It is one of the foundational principles of prayer that you can trust God with what you need. And so, whether you are meditating or walking or in nature or doing yoga, however you choose to open yourself up to God, remember that God does long to hear you articulate what it is you need, what it is you want, and how you feel about it, even if they already know. Because you're saying your knowing is holy. And what I've seen it do in our community here is open up a communal practice of letting our needs be known to one another inviting one another into our needs and our longing, giving us a platform for saying, hey, I'm going through something, asking one another to be with us, even if it's just to say, hey, we're going to lift this situation up to God and wonder. We're going to pray for a good outcome, whatever that is. We're going to make sure we're not going through this alone and that everyone knows that their needs, their desires, they matter. They matter to us, they matter to community, and they matter to God. And so when you pray, don't fill your prayer with empty words longing to be heard. Know that the minute that you cry out with words or with just the spirit of that moment with your heart, the moment you are longing for God's attention, you have it. God is with you. And if you want to cry out and tell God what you need, God celebrates that and will hold it with you. And if you want that to pour out into your community of faith and have your community hold it with you, that is a holy and good practice. We can be in this together. We can be present to one another. We can talk to one another. We can listen. We can sit. We can watch the scenery. We can listen to music. We can meditate. But we can also say, hey, I need you. I need this. Amen. 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 Will you pray with me now?
God, we do love you. And we do mess up and we need to confess that to you sometimes. And we do thank you for your presence and your attention. And we do ask for what we need. And God, we pray that you would allow us to be more open to you, that we could find our way to you over and over again, little glimmers and glimpses, and that we could recognize that as holy prayer. God, thank you for, for pushing us to name our needs. Thank you for inviting us to practice self-awareness, self-reflection, practice asking for help from you and from one another. And God, may we recognize you. May we call out to you when we need your attention. May we breathe in your presence. And may we feel known. Through that relationship, God, may we know you more and more each day. May we learn to pray without ceasing, without pressure, without performance. But by deepening our connection to you, we know that you will be with us in it every moment. Amen.